This is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Well, welcome back to the show. We are right in the middle of the series of episodes that demonstrate what it's like to coach and be coached. Well, today we're excited to have Heather and Bruce McFadden on our show to talk about what it's like to parent from their Enneagram types. So Heather is an Enneagram 4 and the host of a very popular podcast, Don't Mom Alone. She's a speaker and now she's adding to all of that and being an author to all the list of things that she does. Her new book, Don't Mom Alone, releases October 12th. Her husband, Bruce, is a 3. And he's here as well to let us coach them through what it's like to parent from the perspective of a type four and a type three uh, relationship. So not only are we just applying Enneagram to marriage, but now what it looks like with the kids. It's even more complicated when we add the kids to uh, it. Oh, man, it's going to get really fun. (laughs) Really super fun here. But uh, welcome to the show, McFadden's. We're so glad you're with us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. All right, well, let's dive right in. And why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves, you know, who you are, what you do. I know Jeff said a little bit, but let's dive a little bit further. And then how many kids you have and what are their ages? Well, thank you for reminding me that now I get to say author. My resume yes. just grew a little bit. Oh, that's super My fun. wing three is very excited. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a are name we... for your three wing? <laughs> We, we've actually named she's all of our showgirl. Yeah, she's quite a showgirl. Oh. Lucy, Audrey, one of those. Yeah, she's a showgirl. Oh nice. yeah, I uh, totally feel that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we live in Dallas, Texas, and um, I am a professional licensed speech speech. I can't even say it. Speech language pathologist. <laughs> uh, okay. And did that for years before podcasting. Mm. And then uh, we have four boys that are ages nine to sixteen. Wow. Four boys. Four boys. That's amazing. Right? And, and right. What's, that, what's that been like for you raising four boys? It's so easy. Everyone should do it. It's like oh. a breeze, especially <laughs> if you squeeze them in six years. It's so easy. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it's been the most refining bloodbath work on my inner <laughs> self that I've ever had in yes. all my 44 oh. years. So, we have a good yeah. friend who's raising three girls. And they're ages mm. nine, six, and five. And I think he would say pretty much the same thing, but from the other side. So, That's right. Yeah. So, Bruce, tell us a little bit about you. I am in the investment business and gotcha. just do my best to be a calm father. <laughs> I think that is the one thing that I've learned is rarely does more intensity help a situation. So, mm. as a three... Mm-hmm want to achieve. And I learned in many ways, the best way to achieve was actually to chill out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We yeah. heard a but great line the other day um, that, uh, that it was a pastor who's a three and his staff tell him, take the cape off just mm-hmm. uh, to like, yeah. Hey, relax where everything's fine. Like we, we don't need to push any harder. Yeah. Like, like we value you. Your, your worth is so high in our, you yeah. know, in our eyes you don't have to be the superhero. Now, have, have your boys ever said, dad, just chill out? <laughs> I think. It's probably me. <laughs> well, <laughs> they would, they would have went when I was more intense and at yeah. all, mm. they were younger. Sure. But I think if I was still the way that I was, um, I, I would have earned that a lot. And I think now it's less about the superhero. It's less about it's it's more task oriented. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Forward momentum. Yep. Yeah. Energy. Yeah. Okay. So, how did you guys discover the Enneagram? Oh my goodness, that's a really good question. I don't even know. Well, I'll start by saying I grew up with a mom that was obsessed with industrial psychology. So, okay. From uh-huh. a from being a a, a young kid. I mean, honestly, like 10 years old, I was taking assessments. All of us, me, I have three sisters and we did something called the Berkman, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is great. Very, very, it's like going PhD on yourself. <laughs> um, and so obviously everybody gets exposed to Myers-Briggs. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I would say Enneagram has probably been more over the last seven, eight years mm-hmm. um, that I started to get more familiar with it. Yeah, I really have no clue where the first time I heard about it, but it just feels like it's been a part of conversations and learning and 
reading. Do you remember finding out that uh, that you finding out your numbers and mm-hmm. discovering how the Enneagram yeah, what was that process your style? Like? I did it as a part of a corporate retreat hmm. the very first time. Um, in fact, it's funny that um, you mentioned that because I had taken it and I'm a three wing two and studied that. And I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. And Heather, you, you probably were familiar with it, but one time you came back and you had been at some sort of Enneagram event and you came back and you said, I know what you are. You're a seven. I yeah. said, I'm not, I'm actually a three wing two. And it, it took me a really long time. So I was like, <laughs> no, you really, you're so fun. You're so engaging. You're always going, going, going. And that to me was a really, the, you know, one of my first experiences of you don't, type other people, right? Because their behavior and why they're doing it is so vastly different. People don't believe that I'm a four because Mm -hmm. I'm the self uh, preservation four. the counter type. Uh Yeah. What would they typically think you? They think I'm a six or a seven. Yeah. Yeah. That's very common. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So fascinating. Yeah. And if I think back to my childhood, oh my goodness, it's very helpful to have the language around four. I was told by, I have older siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of like the second set of kids. And the older siblings would tell stories of how I cried for a year. You know, like everything was so <laughs> all over the top. And yes. I just, uh, very imaginative and spent a lot of time in cemeteries. And I don't meet a lot of people that no. they talk about that. No. Me and my friends, I, I was homeschooled. And we would go to cemeteries and write down the names of people and their dates and create stories off of wow. what we found on the headstones. And I don't think a lot of people did that for fun. That's think... not a four thing? Yeah. No, that is. That's what I'm saying. It's a weird uh... thing that I didn't tell people because it's so odd. But then when I found out about fours, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. It didn't bother me. Yeah. Being huh. in the... sure. I wasn't overwhelmed by the concept of a yeah. cemetery. Right. I was exactly. more marveling at the connections and... Yes. The people and I, you know, even when you'd find like several yes. headstones like next members. to each other, like connecting the dots. Oh, yeah. they died when they were 27. And she, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is kind of fascinating. Well, I don't know if I've shared that before, too. guys. <laughs> oh, my God. first time. You still love <laughs> that's me? Great. Yes. That's right. I, I think well, that's so intriguing. So, Bruce, you're next. Uh, any uh, dark hobbies you had <laughs> as a kid that you've never told anyone? <laughs> I like your. I've never done that. I like your story though of how you used to play with Hot Wheels cars, mm. and you, you know you would you wanted them to crash, so you would bang one up and you'd throw it in there to look like it crashed. I don't know if that yeah. goes with. Well, being if I had, if I had matching ones, I would get a hammer on one, and then when I have my car accidents, I'd throw <laughs> yes. out the, the good one and put in the bad one. But I don't know if that's a three thing. I don't know. I just thought it was very fun. That yeah. is a fun <laughs> story. Now I'm curious. Um, so how long have you been married? 21 years. 21 years. And 22 years. You know, as, <laughs> that COVID thing. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That, the whole year is 2020 just, didn't exist. We're I don't, I don't mm-hmm. Yeah. We're off now. We but, yeah. um, I, I'm curious. Do you, now through the lens of the Enneagram, what do you think it was that attracted you to one another, mm-hmm. but through the lens of your Enneagram types? That's a good question. I've actually had not thought of that before. I think if I think about stances Mm -hmm. and then I think of attachment theory, Mm -hmm. there's an element to the fact that he is in the aggressive stance Mm -hmm. and then he is a healthy three. Mm -hmm. His parents did a really good job. He's very securely attached that my withdrawn stance um, or I'm anxiously attached, I think Mm -hmm. that is. So I needed, I'm attracted to that because there was such confidence and he spoke so highly about other people and was so positive that I hadn't experienced that. And so I was really drawn to that security. Yeah. That he kind of knew yeah. what he was doing, knew who he was yep, and knew where we were going. Yep. Like yes. that, that we were. Absolutely. Doing. What did you like about me? <laughs> so I, I, I guess in my head I'm trying to like tie it to Enneagram but I'm not going to try I'm going to leave that to you guys yes but, um, <laughs> that's great but I think the, the one of the things that drew me to Heather were her mannerisms mm-hmm. like just the quirkiness and maybe that is a fourth thing I don't <laughs> know but like um, just I don't know just the way that she would respond to things non-verbally like for whatever reason like I was physically attracted to 
her mannerisms, like kind of yeah. who she is. My um, oddity. Her, was it, yeah, <laughs> Which is so funny. I right, don't know what it is, but it is true. <laughs> right as you were saying that, she's like doing this little dance in her chair, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no one else can see it but us. And I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> she's super quirky and I love it. Yeah. Was it yeah. um was it yeah. was it playfulness? Was it what what did it do for you and Sai? I mean, aside from just being attractive, was it was it comforting to you? Was it relaxing? It made me smile. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah. It made me smile. Like it was just very, it was, um, it drew me towards her. Um, and it just made me enjoy being with her. That's great. You know, it, it's interesting. So as many of our listeners know, we've made 45 different marriage courses, one for each couple time. Wow. And as we were building and recording and research, all of it, and even our team, like we would get to certain couple types and like, oh, man, I don't, I don't think this could ever work. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get then we would remind ourselves like, oh, no, that's their couple type. We're friends with them. They've got a great marriage. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, many might think that the three, four combination like that, that would be crazy. Fours want to express themselves and express emotion and threes want to perform and like can set aside and compartmentalize emotion so that they can get stuff done and keep moving forward. Like that must be a nightmare, but there you are. You actually found something that was really comforting to the both of Mm -hmm. you that actually could help you to become the people God wanted you to become Mm -hmm. a fuller person. Right. That makes you love me more when he's saying that because it's positive. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So let's talk about the dark side. I didn't like that she hung out in cemeteries. <laughs> but yet we immediately stopped that. that. <laughs> right, right. That would have changed the game. No. Mm, that would have well, been not as cute. <laughs> so uh, this particular podcast, though, we're going to be talking about parenting and how the Enneagram helps to give language to uh, why we think, feel, and behave as it relates to parenting. And so... Um, but what at, is this not? This is not typing your kids or how to raise a one a type one child or a type two child like that's not what we're here for we're here to really talk about what is it like for us to parent through our type you know god created us to be our type you know and and each of our types when we're at our healthiest and aligned with the truth of the gospel we reflect him and his glory but when we're misaligned or out of alignment, our parenting is also going to go in that direction, and it wreaks havoc within ourselves and in all of our relationships. You know, uh, Kurt Thompson, uh, he's written a number of books, um, Anatomy of the Soul, Soul of Shame. But one, of, I remember seeing a YouTube video, and he's talking about attachment in the brain. But one of the things he said in passing was is that for parents, one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your kids is to understand your own story. Because if you don't, you're going to reenact and coach your children into that story. Mm-hmm. And by God's grace, they're going to push back on that. They're going to resist it. Mm. Uh, and you're going to miss the opportunity to find healing and to help them to become the people God intends for them to be, yeah. to be able to differentiate from you. And so the Enneagram helps to give language to all those things. Yeah. And so we've got several questions for you guys. But before we dive into the questions, I just want for everyone that's listening to be aware of the type three and the type four. So I'm going to just kind of talk about the core motivations of both types because that will set the stage. So for the type three, they're the admirable achievers and they fear being a failure, worthless, inefficient, exposed, um, not having high regard in the eyes of others. And they desire to be successful, to be admired, to uh, be worthwhile to others to be valuable, um, and to have high status and high regards in the eyes of others, but they struggle with the core weakness of deceit. Now, deceit here means that they deceive themselves into believing that they're only the image they present to others, and so they feel like they have to embellish a certain persona, whichever person they're around or whatever culture they're around, put on a polished persona so that others will see it and admire them. So they think they're as good as their last success or their last glittering image. So they're constantly striving for that. Um, But what they long to hear, their core longing is you are love for simply being you. You don't have to achieve. You're seen. And so that's the type three. So the type four is the introspective individualist, and they fear being mundane, plain, ordinary, uh, uh, 
their emotions cut off. They can't express their emotions or go down deep, um, but they desire to express themselves, to know themselves fully, to be their most authentic self, to be original. Now, they struggle with the core weakness of envy. And envy here means that they feel that there's something tragically flawed or missing inside them. And that when they look around, others possess a quality that they feel like they're lacking. And so in order to, in a sense, win other people's approval and love and affection and to be seen and understood, they put on or they pull out within themselves this unique part of themselves, this very special part for others to see and love. What they long to hear is you are seen and loved for exactly who you are, special and unique. Now, I'm just saying those two, do those resonate with you guys? And if so, how? I can say that's spot on for me. The, the good and the bad. Right, <laughs> right. I'm sure, we'll talk about that in more detail. <laughs> I, was, I was reading that out to him from what you all sent us. And my son was listening in. And they were all tuning in when I got positive. And then the second it went negative, they both were like, <laughs> he goes, why are you saying that about dad? Don't say that about dad. I was like, I'm, not, I'm just reading. <laughs> That's fascinating. I accept it. Yeah. I accept it. He yeah. accepts it. Yeah. 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 I think that you've owned that. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. Well, uh, the first question I wanted to ask, just in general, where do you feel like you shine mm -hmm. in your parenting style? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel... Do I'm curious if the heart triad starts sentences with I feel and mm -hmm. the other ones start with I think. It's very common. Yeah, it, very it, common. it is common. And it's also vernacular, right? I mean, mm -hmm. sometimes we have yeah. thoughts that we explain as feeling. So it's it's a little bit of. I never, ever but say I, I think. I've had that. I've had that same curious thought as well, and I've kind of paid attention. But then it's really weird when it gets to us, those of us that are in the gut center, because it's not a thought. It's, a it's not brain. a feeling. Yeah, it's like this other. And, but we have, I mean, the, the English language really only allows for thinking and feeling. I mean, occasionally people say, well, I have this gut feeling. But most mm -hmm. people don't know how to accept or receive that information. It's like, well, that sounds kind of sketchy, you know, <laughs> you don't even know what you're talking about. So all that to be said, I all think that to say all that to say, I think you're on to something, but because of the English language, I don't think we can quite put it the way it should be. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah. you feel well, yeah, I, I think, I think I feel oh. that it is in the realm of feelings with my boys. Mm -hmm. I definitely was okay sitting with them just happened on the drive home a lot of tears coming out of one of my kids and just um, not fixing it but saying I'm sad with you that sounds really hard mm. you have a lot of you know sounds like you're really sad and I that seems like they're able to express their emotions about things um, I think that's the positive sign yes because I have a quick question when he's crying, expressing himself. And you're saying those amazing things that so many of us wish everyone else would say when we're sad, you know, instead of just trying to fix us and make us feel better within myself as a nine, who's more in the optimistic spectrum and want people to be happy. I might say that, but really internally I'm calculating to when can I make this person feel better? So I'm yeah. just curious from a type four mom, is that easy to do what you just said? And is it natural? And do you feel the inclination to make them happy? Or from a force perspective, are you like, is it just almost like breathing air that you can sit there in those emotions? I think I'm okay with a lot of the fluctuations. I think in that particular moment, I did start to feel some anger towards what caused him to be sad mm -hmm. and wanted to kind of I had to watch myself and be very careful that I didn't say words that made him the victim. Mm. My natural inclination was he's the victim here. I need to, that's not okay. And kind of take on if I was in that situation, mm -hmm. how victimized I would feel instead of just sitting in the feeling and let it be what it is and not add layers to what it is. Sure. That was hard for me to not, to not, to really just let him have his story with it. But it sounds like it's really easy for you to say what you said, like, oh my gosh, that's so sad. That must be hard. And kind of just yeah. sit there in it. Is that true? 
that's taken a little bit more training. We've done a lot of 12 step and processing yeah. groups. Okay, good. Um, to be trained in, in those words. Yeah. <laughs> so that they're accessible when I want to just be like, I can't believe they did that. And yeah. I, you know, yes. calling the mom of the kid yes. and yes. going all mama bear. But yeah. 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 I, I think another thing she does really good is, uh, really well is, kind of stopping and enjoying the moment and the experience oh, yeah. and um you know everybody's half birthdays get celebrated mm. except for mine but <laughs> mine's right about around thanksgiving so everybody forgets <laughs> Me so too. i don't actually remember until my yeah. annual my annual birthday your regular one yeah, yes. regular one. but i think she does a really great job of of uh focusing on experience like mm. and just making sure that we don't we, we stop and smell the roses yes and bruce where do you shine um Positivity. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I um yeah, I I, I think I, I see the positive sign usually. Um when I don't, it's really bad. When I can't <laughs> find it, it's it's really, really ugly. But um yeah, I think that's Yeah. How do you think you would have handled a similar situation as what Heather faced today in the car? That is a good question. Um I don't think they cry as freely with me, not because I don't approve, but I, it's just probably less familiar. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I asked the questions necessarily to yeah. that lead to the tears. <laughs> and when sure. it probably starts, I probably, you know, reframe and, and take them a different direction. Yeah. Sure. Um, I mean, you would, you would typically make a joke yeah. or if you're in their presence and you're not driving a car, you would physically like joke around and pick them up or tickle them or something. Tickle them yeah. or make, yeah. I don't, I don't think just soaking in their emotions you know they would have known what to do with that with me because i've probably not been able to be that for them mm-hmm. I, i'm just curious Bruce, do you cry in front of your kids like have the boys seen you cry before i, I guess not because they make comments about that i don't really cry that much sure <laughs> well and, and i just... can remember two times uh-huh <laughs> yeah that's, that's great you actually named them twice <laughs> Wow. Well, I know two times. I mean, just so that others understand, like for threes, they grew up with this kind of record player message in their mind that would say something similar to, you know, you shouldn't um, have your own feelings and your own identity. Therefore, you need to push your feelings and your true identity to the side and become whatever is the most successful image or accomplishment, you know, whatever that is for your family, your school, your whatever, whatever it is, that's what you need to become. And so threes have become very skilled at pushing aside those feelings um, and staying productive and positive and, um, yeah, and excelling. Does that sound true for you, Bruce? For sure. We, yeah, go ahead. Well, we're probably going the same place with this, but our small group about four years ago or so, we started doing the feelings card. With Mm -hmm. our 12 step. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that was... We did an episode on it. If you go to don'tmomalone.com and you search <laughs> yes. Bruce Labels His Feelings. I love oh, it. Have, if you're a three and you need help or a male three, That's you need awesome. help. Um, he talks about that experience. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it, it, it was for maybe for a three. I don't know if this is a three thing or a male thing or what, but for, for me, it was definitely, I did not have a word or words for how I was feeling. Yes. And I still struggle with that. Heather, last weekend, she's like, something's bothering me. I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. And it took me two days to be able to figure two out days, right. what she was saying. And then I told her, she's like, yeah, yeah I, I, I've been married <laughs> with you long enough to where I know when mm-hmm. you're sitting on something, but I literally don't often right. know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you liked about the feelings card, and you say this in the episode, is mm. that on the one we have, it has the eight primary, and then it has like some what they typically can break down into, but then it has what your body does. Physical manifestation. Yeah. And so like one of them was like in your stomach or your neck, mm-hmm. like you like where you literally have a negative. And I, and I, I will get like a tense like shoulders or yes. neck or yeah. stomach. And when I literally looked at those and I, I started at the physical <laughs> manifestation and went to the other side, I saw fear and shame i can't remember which was which and the fear I, stomach yeah. and i thought i stood back and i was like let me think about that let me think about those times that I, those were like real problems and i was like yeah yeah i was like that's exactly what it was as you're literally right now holding on to your neck <laughs> yeah well <laughs> I am. my it's neck been, is fine it's been a time yeah. but 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 no but it was it was really it was helpful to kind of in many ways reverse engineer that and look yeah. at the physical manifestation in order to 
feel that this wasn't just some fuzzy thing, but this was actually, there was a physical manifestations to feeling feelings. Yeah. And that's definitely not my nature to understand sure. that. Yeah. Yeah. You've done really good work. You've done really good work. I'm very right. proud of you. Good job. So uh, the next question is where, where do you feel like that you struggle the most as a parent, according to your type? I think, especially in the early years, um, We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom? From your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90-minute sessions, and there's eight of them. Plus, you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Really wanting to do well and feeling like I kept missing the mark like you were talking about, I... Um, there was always some method or some, if I'd had Instagram back then. Oh my gosh. Oh I my say the lands. same thing. Oh, a lot. Oh that says it a lot. Lands. I could not Riddle. have done it. But, or just, or we, Pinterest. Heather, oh. Heather, we Riddle. were so baby wise. <laughs> yeah. Like you have, we killed baby wise. <laughs> See, our kids are 21 and 23. So this is back <laughs> in the day. So I had the baby wise and then the baby whisper. And there was one other one and I'm looking at them and they're saying opposite right. things. And I'm thinking, oh no. Yes. There's not a formula. Yes. Shoot. But <laughs> I really, I would come to him and I'm like, okay, where we're making a mistake is we need to X, Y, and Z. And I would come in with a new idea all the time. And so everyone mm -hmm. says, in order to be a good parent, you just need to be consistent. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. We, we were consistent at being inconsistent. There you go. I, I was That's consistent <laughs> in being anxious. So <laughs> yeah. hope, that, hope that helped <laughs> the kids. Too. Nate and Libby, it's all yours now. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that was where it's a challenge of feeling like I'm just missing one little thing. Um, I think learning about where you go in health and stress was also right. helpful that I needed to kind of have a something else in motherhood mm -hmm. so that I didn't just give of myself completely to, and lose myself in motherhood. Mm -hmm. so. Well, and what's interesting is a lot of Enneagram books and things that people listen to, they don't kind of take it this next step that I'm going to talk about. I learned it first from um, Russ Hudson and some of the work he was presenting is that, and what we call it at your Enneagram coach is the blind spot. So the same line that you go in growth it, at home, you can actually access some of the less healthy attributes um, of that same type. So for you, Normally for the four, going to the one can look, you know, amazing and so many great aspects of the one it is pulling that four into this really great trajectory of growth. But at home, the one can actually come out in some negative ways. Can you see how that might happen at home? Yes. And so, my, I was telling y'all before we started recording, my mom, I think, is a one. Mm. And so I have that inner voice. And then I also definitely am very critical of myself. Mm. I mean, it's in my book where Bruce says, does any mom think she's doing a good job? Because I would always do the whole diatribe at the end of the day of all the mm -hmm. ways I'd messed up mm. and wouldn't give myself a break. And he was like, I think because you care so much, you're yeah. doing a great job. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The intention, I never, I never counted the intention. I never looked at all the things I'd done in that day as wins. I just felt like there's a way I could have done it better and I was missing mm -hmm. it. Well, and if you think about, so you got the four that struggles with the envy. So, and I think all moms are going to struggle with this. Like, like you said, looking at Pinterest or Instagram or blog, mommy blogs, et cetera. 
oh, I'm not doing it right. So, you know, we all kind of struggle with that. But, but, but being a four, like at your core, the core weakness is envy. And all you're seeing is this barrage of information of how you're missing it. You're missing yeah. something like, oh, you are tragically flawed. You know, that's what the messages are saying. And then in the home, like I'm saying, the blind spot, you also pulling some of the less healthy as- aspects of one. So that inner critic is jumping on all the things that you made a mistake in, that all the blogs or the Instagram posts are saying you didn't do it right. And so you can, I mean, like for me, my heart goes out to you. Like, oh my gosh. Like, I wish I could just like, you know, hug you. Give as me a big hug. Yeah, yes. as that younger mom, like I see you and I see how much you're struggling and, and the shame that must well up with, you know, the, the noise from the outside, but also the heaviness on the inside. Is that kind of how it felt? Yes. Yeah, and I think... What I see as a ripple effect of that is my boys being more critical of themselves or critical of each other. Um, When we got some parent coaching from Connected Families, they said, okay, how about you guys at dinner talk about what went well that day? And how about if someone makes a mistake, you follow the scripture that grace is bigger than whatever, you know, happened. Like give each other that. Um, or have a do-over, like something goes wrong and do a do-over because there was such a, especially after my mom lived with us for a year, there was just a lot of critical spirit in our home that Mm. felt and still can a lot of times come up when we're not all in good places. And that's why his positivity is so helpful. Yes. That this tone of it's not okay to make any mistakes. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, Bruce, uh, what about you? Where is it that you feel like you struggle as a parent? Or what do you wish you could improve? (laughs) (laughs) That's a very positive way to phrase it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, thank you for that. Um, (laughs) You know, it's um, I have to turn off my I don't know if I'm turning off my three, but I'm turning off the the achiever, the need to kind of get things done. I have to turn that off. Mm. I can't like just slow it down. It has to be on or off. So, for instance, I do the laundry at the house. well, I do it for myself and the boys. Heather does her own laundry. She's I have special detergent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But but like we all know, like laundry is not the problem. It's it the hard part, it's the folding, right? Mm. So I every you know Saturday morning I go and I get all the laundry and I throw them out in five different piles, me and each of the four boys, and then they fold them themselves. But what will happen was invariably there's one or two of the boys who will crank out their laundry folding, and then two that it's Thursday and they still haven't folded them. And maybe they've picked them up and put them in the room, put them on the floor in the room. And so I, and you know, I, I can, I can sometimes be so focused on checking things off the list Mm -hmm. that can wear the boys out. Mm -hmm. And Heather, a lot, like a lot of reminders. Mm -hmm. You keep us on task, but I feel bad that that becomes your job because Mm -hmm. it's not very connected to be the boss. Sure. You know, people aren't friends with the boss. Mm. So, <laughs> I mean, he's even, he's even like really efficiently dinner time. Like he, everyone has a role, goals and roles. That was a thing mm-hmm. you created. Everyone would sit down and have their goals for the quarter and then their roles that they played in the house. And so which part of dinner were you responsible for? Which part of the house were you responsible for? Yes. Which is helpful because I wouldn't innately think of that structure, I wouldn't do that. And I need it yeah. um, to function well, but I, I, I push against it. Yeah. Well, here's the, th- <laughs> the funny thing. So as a nine at the home, there'll be more three like things that come out. That's my blind spot, man. I have created so many amazing chore charts, uh, uh, McCord, um, castle zones. Like we're going to like, we're setting this all up. Okay, you're doing this, you're doing this, and then every week we'll switch. It's going to be great. And then we even, like, <laughs> I think when our kids were, like, 10, was, like, okay, so, again, they're, like, 23 and 20. Um, so, like, on uh, the computer, this chore thing finally came out, and, like, they could win all these kind of cool things if they put in their chores, and I thought, we're going to kill it. Finally, 
Never worked because I won't continue the process. It was a nine. You know, it's like I set it up like a great three would, but I don't have great follow through. And so it always. Well, you don't want to cause the conflict. Right. Because they're all like, say. they're so excited about it first. Like, oh, this is going to be amazing. We're going to earn points and like toys and all this stuff. And then like a week later, no one cares. And I'm like, I don't want to fight about this. I don't really want to push. So Bruce, you probably are killing it and doing such a great job. <laughs> by having all the zones and, and doing such a great job that he's a good executor. Yes, sure. exactly. Yeah. Not executor, like an executionist. Not that. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> like a, well, yeah, I haven't figured out that. No, no, yes. that's, that's not right. even yes. close that, to that, what I'm saying. That would no. be a character defect in your parenting. Yes. <laughs> clearly. Deceit would be strong in that situation. Yes. Well, that does speak to something because, uh, as it relates to goals and roles, um, one of the questions that we ask is it, when your kids are 30, 20s, it's pretty bumpy. They're trying to find out who they are separate from parents. But when they're 30, uh, Bruce, you can start with you. Who, who do you hope or what do you hope your kids, your boys will be whenever they're 30? Yeah. Well, like, what are their virtues? And, and maybe how the, the goals and roles are connected to that, like the kind of person they are when they get older. Mm-hmm. Um. I want them to really know who they are and how they're gifted. And I think more than else, I want them to be, um, my hope for them would be that they're, they're living their giftedness. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's your exact question, but I think it really starts from that. And, and, and we, we talk about that a lot, you know, and each of our boys have different areas of giftedness and, you know, um, really trying to encourage them in that. And I, I think really that's, that's really where um, I think I, I start because mm-hmm. I feel like if they're have a good sense of who they are and they're, and they're going after those passions, then I think they're going to have a more healthy lifestyle. They're more likely to have a better spiritual life and better family life and a better professional life. Mm, that's good. And, and what do you think, how would you feel if that didn't happen? Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, well, as a three, I would, I would feel that I failed. Mm. Yes. Now, if, and, and I'm assuming there are times that the boys don't come through and it, do you oftentimes take the responsibility or feel the responsibility whenever they make mistakes? I don't know. Do you think I do? Like one of them got on the watch list for grades. Did you take on responsibility for that? This was about to get really dark whenever you said put them on the watch list. Like what, what that, which, that term which, means so much now. That what? is a very strong word for a middle school. Yes, yes it is. It's one of our kids system. who normally does really good and really well, yeah. Really, really well in school and he kind of took the pedal the foot off the pedal. And to be honest, he kind of does it him like he does well in school kind of without a lot of effort. Effort and and with a lot of effort from us either. And then all of a sudden we get this notification that he was struggling in school. Isn't um, in one subject. Well, I don't feel like grade. we overreacted. To I was that. just trying to find yeah. an example where you might feel like you needed to like own that, or I think I, I I really try to not burden them with that. Maybe that expectation of you know my, my expectation of them, mm-hmm. or like with with Quaid and we have a high schooler, right? So there's a little bit of mm-hmm. you know the next big thing for him is getting into college. Yeah. So do you feel ownership over his journey right now to getting into college? I think I feel that more than I'm communicating that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I recognize that adding, like I think about like what would be helpful, what, what, what would and would not have been helpful as far as an approach to me if I was getting that back when I was their age. And so that yeah. tends to be a filter for me. Yeah. Um, and I think, Frankly, I think the more that's pushed on me, as I think back from a parent, I think the less I would be more likely to benefit from that wisdom. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'd, I'd benefit more from it if if I kind of had to learn some of that. So I think we, I think sometimes what I feel I want to say and what I actually say will tend to be um, abridged. Yeah, sure. Yeah. A more a more constructive. Yeah vision casting rather than this, 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 and this are wrong. Sure. Yeah. So Heather, what about you? Yeah. The boys are 30. Yeah. 
Well, it's funny that he, yeah, he, it's interesting to hear the different answers. Because mm-hmm. um, in my head, I was like, well, if I'm thinking real ideal, I do hope that they are, you know, in very happy marriages mm-hmm. and um, loving parents. And, uh, you know, I do want them to be in community and serving people well, whatever area that is in their life. Um, you know, their assignments. And Mm -hmm. so I do think of like the whole, and I'm thinking, I'm realizing a lot of it is connectedness to other people and to where they are. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And what would it mean to you as a mom and to your four heart if they weren't, connected to people in their 30s that they had difficulty in marriage or maybe having babies and occupation they haven't found clarity on what they want to do get very sad Mm -hmm. i could i could (laughs) literally i could see your countenance change Mm. that would be so hard to watch Mm -hmm. i think this is like such a great like if we can just pause for a second for the audience to recognize that fours their emotions are so vast and deep and real and their minds can really take them to another place and then they feel that other place so like I could literally as Jeff was saying it watch you imagine this path as if your kids are there and how you and like you literally embodied it and so that is such a gift of a four to be able to do that because it allows you to also be with people in their sorrow and and to feel their feelings so I just kind of wanted people in the audience to hear the specialness of that ability even though I know it doesn't necessarily always feel you know (laughs) special because here you're envisioning you know a trajectory of the potential of your boys going in in a direction you don't want but thank you for you know, just exuding such a beautiful part of the type four. And thanks. And one of the You're the great thing <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> one of the dynamics that happen and I'm assuming this happens with other parents. I know it does, but I'm gonna give you guys benefit of the doubt. Uh, <laughs> sometimes in parenting, uh, I might initiate something, Beth may initiate something, but the other spouse disagrees and so we end up dancing about (laughs) parenting and we're not actually parenting the child like the child's like hey can you guys do this another time (laughs) I don't need to be here for this yeah but but I am curious I mean uh, now uh, seeing you both and talking with you about this and asking you the same question and having different responses um, what is it like for you how do you relate as a couple whenever there are disagreements about parenting a child? And what would be the typical things maybe you are different on? Well, I think, I think how we approach that has had a a very different history. Like I think maybe one place to start would be back when we had our first and he was a baby. What do you mean? About putting him to bed. Oh, you know the whole cry it out situation. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we do. So our our first had a lot of reflux. He had a really hard time sleeping for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I did not like hearing him cry. Mm-hmm. And so, and Bruce was totally fine with it. <laughs> I didn't enjoy totally it. I just fine. felt like yeah, it was necessary. It, yeah, it I was totally. necessary to get to the goal. But, even, but even, right, even right there, that is such a classic 4-3 thing because the three is like, hey, what is efficient and what is best is this path over here. And it's not that I love to hear my child cry, but the fastest way to get us all to the other side is this path. And we just need to stick to it. Whereas the four feels all the feels of what's going on, you know, and that makes it really challenging. And and even as you describe it, Beth, I I feel the ambivalence in my heart from those moments (laughs) as a father, like, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. I, I want to comfort child. But is that going to set us back on them being able to self-soothe and sleep through the night? Well, your and six then, is coming out. And then all of a sudden you put in, yeah, that's right. There's a whole committee going on right now. Like, what does God think about all this? Is he disappointed in me or is he even with me? Well, I don't then, know. And then you're like, left the building. And then you're like, I'm going to go buy several books on Amazon to figure this oh, out. Oh, that's the worst. I can't. Because <laughs> you know it's true. <laughs> it's the worst. 
I would totally have a dozen parenting books on sleeping the next week. <laughs> okay. Back to you guys. Okay. That's right. Thanks <laughs> for joining internal, us. We're, we're going to do our like thing like an now. internal moment as we're talking about it. Yeah, no, I, I really think, I mean, that caused major conflict for a little bit because yeah. I, I would just, look at me say, I would say, it's my baby and I'm going in there. Like, I just couldn't. So the one time he did sleep training, uh, I was actually gone for the weekend. Oh, well, she didn't know I was going to be I didn't know you were doing it, but she okay. was gone and it was my opportunity for to do crying yes. out. I've yes. never heard of sleep training. Well, like, a- <laughs> poor guy. One, poor his, guy. his kids are in his 20s, and, and two, I don't think you, we didn't really read up on all the things except for that one book. So, anyway, so you did sleep training, sleep and how did training. it go? Wow. It, it, well, I mean, it was. He now sleeps. keep in mind at this point he was like well over a year i mean he was it wasn't like we were trying to get an eight month old he had been crying when we had his siblings and you could swaddle them put in a pacifier and they just go to sleep you're like (gasps) yes oh this is what people were talking about it wasn't something wrong with us like and now you know anyway there's a lot more to that even of learning about who he is and his wiring and even like his neurology mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. So, well, Heather, I think I, just to pick up to on it. something, I mean, the fact that like you got bigger, you raised your arm, this is my baby. Yeah. Did you feel like you needed to get big? To Oh, there's a whole thing there. <laughs> Bruce is four years older than me. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. I'm elderly. He's older. <laughs> so he, he was, he was a senior when I was a freshman when we met at college but there's a part of me mm-hmm. that really just let him make the choices, make the decision, be yep. the ultimate voice in our family because of that age gap yep. and me being more back and forth and not really confident of what I think um, or believe about things. And so I, when I really let like when that gut or that heart was just like rearing up, it, it was a lot to push through mm-hmm. and say, no, enough. This really matters to me. And I think our marriage has grown. One, when we started taking walks mm. and it was a more side-by-side relationship. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was asking for advice on work. I would talk about my work and the, our marriage grew a ton during that time. But then even with me having this business and being an author, mm-hmm. I have – self-differentiated a lot and come into my own of what I really think is important. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, but when it comes to our kids, I think sometimes I will feel like there's a really big problem. I'm sensing these two boys are really not getting along and it's very important that we deal with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm trying to, it's almost like I'm trying to be the neck to turn his attention to it. And because he's just going forward, his head is straight. And I'm like, no, no, look right here. This is a really big problem. And I think before his dismissiveness of it made me think, well, then maybe it's not a problem. And I think I'm learning to kind of own where I am right. And then also trust him when I'm making a bigger deal out of something that's not a big deal. Wow. Man, you guys are so awesome. I mean, one, you're able to articulate all the various dynamics that are happening and I, I know that that comes as a consequence of doing a lot of work mm-hmm. uh, and walking through some very meaningful and deep conversations. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, even for my kids, when we had a season of really profound sorrow, the greatest gift I was able to give to my kids is to do my own work. Mm-hmm. Um, and they saw it and know that it's okay to go to the, those places because you're going to, God's going to do something there. Well, we, so We've got a lot of questions that we could <laughs> we ask. Keep going, but I, I, I want to. You can choose the last question, okay? Which okay. one you want to answer? So I'm going to give you four options, um, <laughs> and you get to choose. Um, number one is this: What are your avoid at all cost rules? Like this will never happen in our home, or though oh, the rule is, what is the rule I would? That's right. Stick to it. Like That's right. So okay. Beth was teased uh, as a child by her brother. So there was never an option, no matter how much conflict she had to face, that uh, our kids could tease each other mm. at all, okay. like immediately stop. But okay, number two is, are there ever situations where your child embarrasses you? 
Okay. So, so like where your sense of proving your worth as a parent is showing up because your kid's not doing what you want them to do. Number three is do your children ever give you feedback? And what is that feedback? Um, and if they're not giving you feedback, why? Or the last one is what's your dominant style of or your you know, preferable style of engaging with your children? Is it teaching, correcting, affirmation, coaching? Is it just being present, physically present, or whatever that might style might be? So which question sounds... So you get to choose. I think, I think I'm going to pick number two because I feel like it really fits with me being a four-wing three and him being a three. Okay. okay. Yeah. You can both really, pick different questions too. That's oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to pick that one because yeah. it really, okay. it also fits with my book a lot. Great. Like Let's do that. Chapter one, one, two, three, all about me really working through my kids separating my kids behavior from my worth as a mom yes that is the it question. was i'm just saying that was my story yes like that is literally my journey as a mom was they can be wrong and i can be okay well let's be honest i mean in in their in our 20s when we are differentiating from our parents we are wrestling with that question that am i going to be who i want to be or who my parents need me to be uh, and so it is, if you've not realized that in some ways you are battling still with your parents in your head when you're parenting, then you've got some work to do. That's for our audience, not necessarily for you guys, but, um, well, why don't you explain a little bit more, Heather? Like what, what is it personally for you? Uh, I think that it was another layer of performance, mm -hmm. you know, a, a layer of, okay, them being good out in public tells other people I'm a good mom and then I'm okay. Yep. Then I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about who I am as a person instead of, and, and that just became increasingly harder to do the more boys I had, <laughs> right. the kinds of boys I had. And the fact that there's a, four. <laughs> there are four of them and one of me and they are more high energy. Mm -hmm. um, you come from a very high energy family. We have a had diagnoses of attention things, but we mm -hmm. probably have some attention things going on. And so there was legitimate challenges. But then when I'm trying to control all that chaos and it's, I, I ended up having a panic attack mm -hmm. and a chicken drive through line because I could no longer pretend because I wasn't okay inside. Right. And I was pretending that I was okay on the outside so that I would be approved by others and that I just combusted. You couldn't, yes. couldn't hold. That is such a perfect example of a four as a three wing. Seriously. Because like literally, because your core is the four to be your most authentic self. Like to show the world, this is who I am. I'm proud of who I am. This is what I can offer that's unique and different and special. And yet the three is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. There are all these rules that we need to hold to so that people see this like glittering image as a mom and we have to do that first and foremost because people see it or, or the lack thereof. And that's going to devalue us. And you could only hold that for so long. And then the four is just going to burst through and say, enough. I yeah. have to be me. When you layer on top of that Christianity. Oh, sure. <laughs> and I was, I was writing the God-centered mom blog like God-Centered mm -hmm. Mom, and God-Centered Mom was my podcast. And that had shifted from I'm, you know, I am self-centered and child-centered and now I want to be God-centered to everyone thinking I I already am the God-Centered Mom. Oh, like I sure. figured it. So I was trying to, in my effort, in this appearance of being very faithful and spiritual, hold that in. Mm. And yep. you couldn't. Well, Bruce, in our few remaining minutes, uh, what's your uh, dominant or prime or preferable style of engaging with your children? And at, for, as examples, do you feel like you're doing a lot of teaching, a lot of correcting? Is it affirmation based? Is it coaching based? Or, you know, is it just I, I am present and available to you? I would say it's first and foremost affirmation based. Mm -hmm. um, I think um that um, that comes easy to me and mm -hmm. I enjoy it and I enjoy, you know, so, so all that's, I think number one is, is that I think number two is very much a kind of a begin with the end in mind mm -hmm. and really kind of have them, you know, try to 
talk a little bit more forward thinking. So rather than talk about like doing something right now, it's more about yes. you know where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say those are probably right. But I would say the affirmation is easily the number one. Do you agree? Yes, I think it is a very big gift to these boys. They have no idea yes. that the dominant father figure in their life is a kind voice in their head. Sure. Well, that like, is a gift for a lifetime yes. that so many people are trying to overcome. Yeah. In particular in the relationship with God. They can't imagine a God who is loving and kind and they have you. Yeah. That's such a gift. And my dad was that way. He was very loving and kind mm-hmm. and and probably what drew, drew me to you as well. Um, is just your positivity reminded me of my dad. Well, and it's also a great example of a three with a two wing. So threes are great encouragers. Twos are great encouragers. Twos are wanting to get in there and connect and help and support. So it sounds like you're very involved with the boys' lives. Uh, your affirmations are tuned into them, uh, just instead of just kind of you know like a rock skipping on the pond. Um, but then the other really great thing that threes are good at is starting with the end in mind. That is literally what a three does because <laughs> a three is never going to take on a challenge or a task or a goal or a mission without the end in mind, because for them, they want to make sure, can I accomplish it? You know, I, they're not just going to just, you know, open the door to, you know, a dark room and just go like, okay, I'm going to calculate this. Do I have enough time? Do I have enough resources? Do I have enough skill? And so having the end in mind is really helpful and not everyone can do it like a three. That's just not everyone's superpower. And so to teach your sons how to do that, if they're not threes and you've got four boys, so there's the likelihood of none of them are threes. So you're teaching them a skill that they may not naturally have. So that's a really, really cool thing. Hey, you have been a gift. This is, uh, we appreciate just being with you and your willingness to engage. And I think it, uh, you're so insightful in being able to connect with your heart and your parenting and your big story. So thank you so much. And all the work that you have done in the 22 years to, to get here, you know, and it does take uh, just as an encouragement. And I think you guys would say the same as an encouragement to those that are new to parenting or in those toddler years, hang on, keep going, keep learning about yourself, keep growing. It It's bumpy. It can be turbulent, can be rocky. But these are all things that God is using to help us to grow closer to him, closer to one another, and closer to our kids. Would you guys agree? Completely. Completely. Mm-hmm. And talk to other people. We were at dinner the other night with a couple. Okay, so they're a six and a seven. Uh-huh. And we have walked with them. I mean, they've shown up to dinners and said we, they just had a fight. You know, we are real, real. And they're, st- they're still working through the fight as they're coming to get dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's not, over. not over. Right. But, you know, she's the six and he's the seven. And they, they were using this analogy of like, well, he's the red shiny balloon and she's the tack who's just coming in and popping it. And she said, well, that's kind of a negative analogy. Let's think of something else. And so they came up and I think it's so fantastic that he's the red shiny balloon and she is the string yep yes and so without him she would just be a string on the ground Mm. and not having any fun and without her he would be just floating off in outer space and so they kind of ground each other literally what we say so my dad and my mom are the exact same couple type combination and we literally talk about how he is like this balloon and she's actually the one holding on to the balloon but you lift your head up to look at a balloon, right? Or a kite. Yeah. So your head's up instead of just kind of being in the negative. But then my dad literally would fly away without my mom. And who knows where he would be. <laughs> in some he, he, like he was fun a, fantasy world. He was know? a pediatric aller- allergist. And when our son started to wear costumes, but not like just for Halloween, three or but four, throughout right? all <laughs> Every day is a new costume. Yeah. You have four boys. Mm-hmm. You know well, exactly what he, I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. We've had those stages. Yeah. He Spider-Man just, at breakfast. Her dad yeah. just decided, I'm going to dress up like Spider-Man and be a doctor for a day. And But the, it happened, and it was a gift to everybody there, but your mom had to ground me like, you oh. need to be professional. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to trust you. If every day it's a different costume, it <laughs> may not work out. Yeah. Right, right. Maybe once a year, Bruce. Maybe once I'm sorry. Yeah. My my dad is Bruce. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah, really? not you, Bruce. Okay. Not you. <laughs> I just realized that like, yeah. you're probably thinking, why is she saying my name? <laughs>
Well, <laughs> thank you guys for coming on our show today. We are just so thrilled to get to know you and hear your story and what God has done in and through your 22 years of marriage, but also your parenting. And I just want to remind everyone out there that Heather's first book, we're so excited about this, is being released October 12th, and it's called Don't Mom Alone. And boy, do not mom alone, for sure. Like, we all think we should do that because we feel shame and guilt and all the things, but please go check out our book. Her podcast has the same name. Check out her podcast. Um, and then we'll link all the show notes um, and everything we talked about there so you can all uh, check out her book, her podcast, and everything we talked about. Well, friends, uh, the kind of conversations that we can have with people is something that you can do as well. And here in a few weeks, we're going to be opening up our new uh, Enneagram Marriage and Family Coaching Certification. And so we hope you'll go and take a look because there's tremendous opportunities to be able to extend God's grace to some very uh, dear parts of our hearts. And uh, uh, people need help. And um, we're glad to train people to be able to do that. So, well, remember this, as we always say, that the Enneagram reveals our need for Jesus and not our need to work harder. It is the gospel that transforms us. Thanks for joining us.